On today's episode of Locked On Canucks, with all this hype and all this talk about the Battle of Alberta, we're going to talk about how the Canucks never had a battle of anything in their 52-year history. Of course, it is another day and another episode, another edition of our Greatest Canucks series, where we talk about a guy who was extremely polarizing and who many people turn their backs on, except me. It's Locked On Canucks on a Wednesday, May the 18th, and it starts now. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Locked On Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. I am, of course, your host, Justin Pooney. You can find me at Twitter, underscore process sports. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and like this video. I've been getting a lot more views on YouTube, which makes me happy. And I want to thank you for your continual support. Of course, we are free and available wherever you get your podcast services. Guys, not much news going on today. Uh, as so far as off-season rumors, X's and O's, uh, Bruce Bruto did do an interview on uh, the Vancouver Radio yesterday and kind of talked about how it went against Jim uh, Rutherford saying that, you know, remember Jim Rutherford said they relied too much on Thatcher Demko and Bruce Butcher kind of snapped back saying, well, every team relies on their goalie. So a little bit of discourse there. Um, hopefully these two figures get on the same page and soon, because as I mentioned before, if these guys are not on the same page, this is not going to work and is going to be a problem all season long. Because as I've mentioned, one thousand times if you want to be successful you have to have structure a same common goal from ownership to management to coaching to the players to the equipment staff to the training staff everybody has to be on the same page so hopefully bruce brujo and jim rutherford quit this back and forth through the media and just sit down in a room figure out what they want to do with this roster build the roster accordingly figure it out and let's move forward because we all want to see playoff hockey. And that is what this first block is about. Unless you've been living under a rock, most of you hockey fans are all aware that the Battle of Alberta and the Battle of Florida is taking place right now in the second round. Two massive rivalries. Well, okay, well, one massive rivalry. One is kind of a fabricated one for people uh, in the States to make them feel like it's a big rivalry. But let's face it, it's not. The Battle of Alberta, if you have not been watching any TV, over the last few days, there has been propaganda of this rivalry shoved, uh, just not in a shot, not shoved, just placed on the screen, just consistently showing. I am so invested in this year. I despise the Calgary Flames. I could care less about the Edmonton Oilers. I think Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are two of the best players in the league, two of the top four, uh, which, and I respect their game and I love to watch them play. So I am cheering for the Oilers. Um, but I, again, I'm a Canucks fan. I'm true and true to the true to the blue of Vancouver. I'm not supposed to like these teams, right? But I am so invested into this series because of the rivalry. Um, if you look on my Instagram at Process Sports, I put a story up saying heavy metal hockey is now taking place because this is going to be a tough rivalry, just an absolute war, a civil war in Alberta between Edmonton and Calgary and those poor people in Red Deer in the middle point that are stuck in the middle that got to figure out 
Which way do I go? Do I lean towards the south, towards Calgary? Do I lean back up north towards Edmonton? What do I do? And it got me thinking. Canucks have been around for 52 years. And in 52 years, we have had no traditional rival. Now, of course, the Seattle Kraken just joined the NHL. And it's going to take time for this potential rivalry to brew if it ever does. Um, I don't know if it will. I certainly hope it does. But if you look at the Battle of Alberta, 40 years almost now, at least three plus decades, count the 80s and 90s, the Stanley Cup went through the province of Alberta with those dynastic Oilers teams, those very good Calgary Flames teams. And the Canucks were always just that team on the other side of the Rocky Mountains. And we still are technically on the other side of the Rocky Mountains by the ocean, kind of isolated by ourselves. When you go through Canucks history, who are some of the biggest rivals the Canucks have ever had? Maybe the Flames through, you know, 94, 04, 2015, 89. Um, those playoff battles we've had with Calgary, but Calgary's bigger rival is Edmonton. I don't know if the Flames and Flames fans consider the Canucks a big rival or on the same level as Edmonton. I don't think that whatsoever. Edmonton, I don't think there's any, not really much of a rivalry at all. They're going to be playing the same division because they haven't been in the playoffs for years, and then the Canucks haven't been in the playoffs. And in the 80s and early 90s, the Oilers were absolutely dominant and would wax the Canucks every time. So there was never a battle or rivalry with our closest geographic rivals in Alberta. Yes, you know, there was a little spats with Colorado and Minnesota in the early 2000s, but Colorado and Detroit was the real rivalry. Minnesota... Never really had. I guess you could say Minnesota. They considered Vancouver their biggest rival um, after the whole 2003 thing. But after that, it's kind of died down. We don't really have a rivalry with Minnesota per se. Um, then, of course, we go to the Blackhawks where, you know, for those three four, three, four years, that was a true rivalry. That was, you know, as close as I think we would ever get to, you know, whenever the, the Blackhawks would come to town, you know, the anticipation would build. The energy, the juice in the building would be a talk. And these two teams genuinely disliked each other. Because why? Because they were both very good teams. They were both fighting for the Stanley Cup. Uh, and also, anybody who's watching this at a later point in time and didn't get a chance uh, to watch this game, the Oilers and Flames game, just to update you, it is currently 5-1 Flames halfway through the second period. So not looking so good for the Edmonton Oilers. But going back to that rivalry talk, what made that rivalry with Chicago so special was because, as I just mentioned, both teams were fighting to get to the Stanley Cup. You know, in 20, 2009, the Canucks and Chicago played in the first, second round again, losing six. Chicago was on to the Western Conference Finals to lose to the Ventral Cup champion Detroit. The next year, the Canucks lose again to Chicago in six. And then Chicago goes on to win the Stanley Cup. The next year, the Canucks, of course, are the President's Trophy winners. Chicago Blocks are the defending Stanley Cup champions. The one seed versus eight seed, a battle in a seven-game series where, of course, the Canucks finally, finally got over that hump after 19 playoff games or whatever it was. They finally got over the hump and beat the Blackhawks. And that was such a great... It made it so much more special because it was against Chicago. Now, the Boston rivalry, again, it was a, a one- or two-year thing. They beat us in the cup final. You know, they 
had a big game in Boston the next year where Brad Marchand, low bridge, Sammy Sallow, all of that stuff. Look, again, Boston's biggest rival is Montreal, right? Boston and Montreal is the rivalry. Boston fans never thought of Vancouver as a true rival. And I just feel that we as Canucks fans, or even as Vancouver sports, when you think about it, you know, the MLS, look, the Whitecaps are an absolute disaster right now. You know, we've never had the Grizzlies for long enough. The Lions, again, they're stuck on their own. Vancouver sports, we've never had a true another city as a rival. Um, a, a city that whenever they come to town, it is an absolute bloodbath, an absolute war. Um, and I feel like we've missed out on that as sports fans um, in the city where it's just it's a different vibe like i'm seeing these pictures of just these families where you know some one kid is a oilers fan one kid is a flames fan and the parents are divided too we just don't have like we even in quebec the nordiques and the canadians you know that was a battle back when they were around i guess you could say with winnipeg too they don't have a true geographical rival but they're close to minnesota now um so you know the fans can hop back and forth with that and that rivalry could build but I just feel like when you look at sports and you look at just the the theater of sports, the greatness of sports, the entertainment value of sports, rivalries are what Swiss sell. And why did Gary Bettman decide to implement this new playoff format to build upon those rivalries so we could see a battle of Alberta in the playoffs, so we could see a Montreal versus Toronto in the playoffs, so we could see, you know, a Philadelphia versus Pittsburgh in the playoffs. So, all these matchups could transpire. And unfortunately, I just guess where the Vancouver is situated, um, we've never been able to have that yet. Now, I'm not saying Seattle can't get there, but it's going to take a long, long time to build. They're going to have to play meaningful games. Both teams are sure as hell going to have to be good and competitive. They're going to have to play in the playoffs multiple times for any semblance of a rivalry to build. And who knows when that is going to happen. So. The whole point of this block is even if you're not a fan of the Flames or the Oilers, watch the series. Understand the rivalry. Be envious, as I am, of this. I'm fully invested into this series. I'm not a fan of either team. Quite frankly, I hate both teams. But it is just such great sport that this rivalry is in the playoffs where the winner goes to the Western Conference Finals, where, you know, as Daryl Sutter, Sutter said, it's bringing a province together. Um, it just, it needs, it just needs to happen. I'm just, I'm, I don't know what else to say. It just needs to happen for the Canucks. They need to build a geographical rival with Seattle. And it would just make the sport and the city so much more, intertwined so much more excited just bring that extra sense of juice to a fan base where quite frankly if you think about it we tend to poo-poo on the canucks a lot as bruce brujo um kind of poo-pooed on jim rutherford's comments from relying on the goalie but look as a fan of sports rivalries is what sells the game the al classico in soccer you know the derbies in in england Yankees, Red Sox, you know, Seahawks with the Rams or Seahawks with the 49ers in the playoffs. 
um, you know, just the Raiders and the Chiefs or the Broncos and the Chiefs, those AFC West rivals, um, just those, you know, the Ravens and Steelers, um, those rivalries, those those battles, those wars is what makes sports so great. And I hope and I pray that eventually the Kraken and the Canucks can build up to that. And it gets to that level where there's just that, that extra something in the air when the Seattle comes to town or when Vancouver goes down to Seattle. Because that is what is I think will take the fan bases of each city to the next level where there's that sense of loyalty and that sense of just, this is my team, my city. We're a better city than you. We are this, we are that, and we're going to come for you to throw every time we play, and it's going to be a battle. That is what I want to see happen. So that's kind of my little rant speech about how, you know, the Canucks have never really had a true geographical or a true rival per se, um, a consistent rival for uh, the 50 years they've been around. Whereas you look at, you know, as I just mentioned, the Oilers and the Flames or the Canadians and the Leafs, the Canadians and the Bruins, um, the Flyers and the Pencils, rivalries have been going on for decades. Um, so that is what um, I just wanted to talk about and just kind of, you know, get off my chest because I felt it was important to talk about, especially with all this um, propaganda flying around or all this talk about the Battle of Alberta per se, which is great hockey. And to fill you guys in that are not listening, couldn't watch the game it's currently 6-2 uh calgary right now uh but first before we go to our break uh, coming up next we're going to be talking about our greatest canuck series and a number of fans and people in the city of vancouver still do not like this guy but quite frankly it's time for you guys to get over it re-embrace it and re-understand how great this guy was in a canucks uniform and i'm gonna tell you who that is after the break but first I want to talk to you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With ever-increasing numbers and makes and models, it's impossible now to, for your local chain auto store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only brand, on, the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to Rock Auto at home and in your pocket. Save time and money while using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership than just using Rock Auto? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and the prices are reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About a section so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all your parts, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Okay, so I talked about fierce rivalries, fierce battles between the Flames and the Oilers and all these other great rivals. A fierce, speaking of fierce and a fierce competitor, perhaps one of the, the fiercest competitor the Canucks have ever had is highlighted today in our greatest Canucks series. And we we're talking about, of course, Number 17, RK17, Ryan Kessler. Yes, the man who everybody loved when he was on the Canucks during his peak. And then once he left, everybody hated him. But I was always a guy that loved Ryan Kessler. I loved the way he played. You know, Jim Rutherford was talking about 
They need more guys with sandpaper. Well, Ryan Kessler was a guy with as much sandpaper as anybody in the league. So Ryan Kessler, just to start it off, of course, a Michigan guy um, from Lenovo, Michigan, was played his college hockey at Ohio State and was drafted by the Vancouver Canucks in the iconic 2003 draft, which featured a lot of great players, guys like um, Ryan Getzlav and all these guys. Um, but the thing with Kessler was he came to the Canucks as a speed guy, and then he played his way again. As we talked about the last couple of days, Bieksa, Burroughs, what did these guys do? They built their way up to the Manitoba Moose, who was their coach at the time, Alan Vigneault. So Kessler played his first couple of years in the minors. After the lockout, 05-06 season, he came, played up with the big team. And remember, after that season, the whole, uh, excuse me, the whole offer sheet situation came arise with Philadelphia, where he signed the offer sheet with them and the Canucks matched. And thank God they did, because if the Canucks didn't, they never would have made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2011. Because as we all know, Ryan Kessler, after that year, kind of his game took off. You know, he had a 23 points in 05-06, bumped it up to... Well, he missed the next season with injury. But, you know, in 07-08, he scored 20 goals. Then he scored 26, 25, 40. And then you just saw him take off after that. You know, he saw his game elevate from being just a checker to a top six player. You know, consistently scoring 20 goals, being a thorn, an absolute thorn in people's side. And then developing his game into becoming, quite frankly, the best two-way center in the game. He won the Selkie Trophy, did he not? Ryan Kessler learned under guys like Marcus Naslin, Todd Bertuzzi, Brendan Morrison. He played on a line with the late great Pavel Dimitra and Matt Sundy and learned a lot. And when we saw Ryan Kessler develop, his speed was there. That wicked wrist shot was there. The tenacity was there. And what happened in 2011? What happened in 2011? This whole game cultivated. And I'm going to touch on 2011 right after this break and how that was the precipice of Ryan Kessler's career. But first, I want to talk to you guys. Well, excuse me. First, I want to tell you guys to thank, excuse me, thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. For your next listen of the day, check out Locked On NH, the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Also, we talked about built. I love brownies, but do you know what I love more? Brownie batter. Sometimes I eat half the batter just while I'm making the brownies. Imagine if you could lick that brownie spatula clean and get some protein in. You're in luck because built now has a new creation that is one better than ever. The brownie batter puff. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars to a whole new level. They're available right now on built.com. Have you tried the built puffs yet? I'm sure. I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Excuse me. Puffs are chocolate-covered marshmallow protein. That's right. Delicious marshmallow-flavored covered in 100% real chocolate. 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, 17 grams of sugar. Brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. All Built Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. 
So we talked about Ryan Kessler's kind of build to, you know, becoming an elite two-way center. Well, what happened in 2011? You saw it all come together for Ryan Kessler. You saw him become the interview bomber. You saw him score 41 goals, become an NHL All-Star, win the Selkie Trophy. But that wasn't the biggest thing that happened that year. We saw Ryan Kessler take his game and put the Canucks on his back. That series against Nashville, that second round series, quite frankly, could be the greatest series any Canuck player had ever played. Ryan Kessler during that series against Nashville was an absolute monster. He had 11 points. Sorry, he recorded 11 points of the 14 Canucks goals in the series. Think about that. Of the 14 goals the Canucks scored, Ryan Kessler had 11 points. He was one point shy of Pavel Bray's franchise record of 12 points in a seven. Now, Pavel Bray did that in seven games. Ryan Kessler did that in six games. You know, he was an absolute warrior. People remember Kevin BX's goal in the Western Conference Finals um, to send the Canucks to the playoffs, but it was Ryan Kessler's goal. After he was hurt, he hurt his leg earlier in that game. And eventually we found out the whole other list of injuries he was playing with during that playoff run. But it was Kessler's goal, that tip in on the Canucks pop that he did so many times during the regular season, screening the net and tipping those pucks in. Um, you know, he, you know, as we touch on that, if you look at the years previous, Kessler was the power, like the setup man, the puck handler um, for the second unit for years. But he became the net front presence, and he exploded on that. Being, his, being able to put his body there, use his positioning, his strength to get in front of the net, tip pucks in. And that's exactly what he did, tying the game with 13 seconds left, allowing BX to score the game winner. Then, of course, he had the amazing, amazing pass to Rappi Torres in game one of the Stanley Cup final set up that goal. And, you know, he spent years of becoming the runner-up, and he finally won the Selkie Trophy at the end of the year. He had arthroscopic surgery on his hip, which eventually caused him to eventually retire. Um, and it, it was, I think that at that point, his body had all the wear and tear on it. And you kind of knew that that was going to be the end of Ryan Kessler. Um, he had, a, you know, injuries kind of took a toll on him. He had a couple more 20 goal seasons in Vancouver before the trade request came out where, um, you know, he, the horrible year with Tortorella, and, you know, the rumors and reports got out that he was going to get dealt at the Olympics and he didn't get dealt and he had to answer all those awkward questions. Um, and then Jim Benning came in and um, as Kessler mentioned in the podcast recently, he had a wider list uh, during that season and the Canucks did not trade him uh, to one of those teams during the season. And then in the off season, so they left, essentially they left Ryan Kessler out to dry, asking him, to answer all these questions about did you request a trade? Why don't you want to be here? What's wrong? And then when Jim Benning gets hired, he's like, okay, you on the same list? And he's like, no. You know, as much as people think he could have been surly with the media and kind of prickly, I do understand where he's coming from saying that, you know, you kind of left me on the dry. So now I'm going to take control of my career and want to go just play in Anaheim or Chicago. And essentially by then it was just Anaheim. And the Canucks, you know, they did get a decent return for um, Ryan Kessler, who turned out to be Jared McCann, uh, Nick Bonino, 
and I believe one other piece, Lucas Spiza. So the Spiza didn't work out. McCann obviously uh, was dealt for Eric Goodbranson, another wonder, wonderful move by Jim Benning. And Nick Benino, of course, was shipped off anyway uh, later on. So, uh, yeah, Nick Benino was shipped off to Pittsburgh for Brandon Sutter, who, of course, has never been able to stay healthy. But the main thing I want to talk about with Ryan Kessler is I understand he wasn't the nicest guy in the media. He requested a trade, but Pavel Bray requested a trade. Now, I'm not saying Ryan Kessler is Pavel Bray, but Ryan Kessler did a lot of great, great things for the Vancouver. There was a reason why when their Canucks were determining who to their next captain should be before they named Henrik Sedin, Ryan Kessler's name was in that argument. I'm old enough to remember that. I might have been, what, 15, 14, 13, 13, 14, 15, one, around one of those ages. But I remember listening to talk radio in Vancouver and hearing the name Ryan Kessler on his captain, I thought he should have been captain because I love the way he played because he was played so hard. He was such a bull in a china shop. He would fight. He would hit. He would score goals. He would block shots. He would play hard, and I loved it. He was, as much as I love Henrik and Daniel Sedin, Ryan Kessler was my favorite player on the Canucks at that, during that era because he played the game so hard, and he was an agitator, and he was cocky, and he was abrasive, and he was... Hey, I'm Ryan. I am Ryan Kessler. Who do you think you are? I'm the best two-way center in the league. And he proved it. And yes, I understand. People, fans have every right to boom because he wanted to trade, did not want to be here anymore. But after that year with Tortorella, can you blame the guy for not wanting to be in Vancouver? That was an absolute shit show of a year in Vancouver. I'm not surprised that he wanted out. So... And it was great to see when he came back for the Sedin's retirement ceremony that he got the reception he deserved because, as he said, Vancouver is always going to be home to me after he retired. Vancouver is always going to be home to him, a second home to him. It's where his son was born. It's where he became a man, and it's where he had his most success and his greatest hockey memories. Um, and for whatever reason, people continue to hate on him because he wasn't nice to the media. He wasn't the best, you know, maybe not the best, you know, role model in the media no, not role model he wasn't the best to deal with the media he was a bit of a prickly guy so but st- if we're strictly focusing on on ice performance and what he did for the canucks he most certainly is one of the greatest canucks of all time easily a top 10 canuck of all time because he's did things that no other canuck did he won the selkie trophy he scored 40 goals he played hard he his body was absolutely bro- He put everything on the line in 2011 to win that Stanley Cup. And you saw him in tears. I was in tears after 2011 because I saw my favorite player in tears because he gave it his all. He was absolutely dejected after they lost. And he deserved... He probably wouldn't have won the Smythe Trophy, but I Ryan Kessler was my Smythe Trophy winner in 2011 because he just... Without Ryan Kessler that year, there would have been no Alex Burrow's goal in Game 7. They would have never beat Nashville. They would have never even got into overtime against San Jose. They would have never won game one in the Stanley Cup Finals. Ryan Kessler was such an integral, integral piece of that team, of this franchise, of this history, that I don't want people to boo him because he was so great. So you see how I said there's no Marcus Nazan slander? No Ryan Kessler slander for me. Ryan Kessler is a great one of the greatest Canucks of all time. You have to respect it. If you don't like my opinion, you don't have to like it, but you have to understand that Ryan Kessler is one of the greatest Canucks in Vancouver Canucks history. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Look at the numbers. Look at the stats. Look at the impact he gave on this team and this franchise. He's one of the greatest Canucks of all time, period. Thank you. So that is today's episode. 
of Locked On Canucks. I want to thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. Uh, tomorrow, again, another episode, another edition of our Greatest Canucks series where we have another polarizing figure who requested a trade out of the city. Um, but he was a little bit more loved. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. I think we all know who I'm talking about. Uh, but now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. From first-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the NHL playoffs like no other. Here are the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast services. Guys, take care. Stay safe. I will talk to you tomorrow.